Church, are you excited for the holiday season? It's upon us. It is upon us. It definitely doesn't feel like it. I'm from Ohio, and it snowed yesterday at my mom and dad's house. And uh, I'm like, oh, thank God for Mississippi. I want to preach today um, on the topic of the bite, the bite of bitterness. The bite of bitterness. I'm glad you guys are here today. I want to welcome everybody online today. Will you let them know we're glad that they're joining us from wherever you are. Thank you so much. Every week we hear from people who are joining us from all over, and it means a lot. I wore a suit jacket today. I don't know why. Just seeing how it felt. Not sure what I think yet. We'll see how it goes. It may be over my head in a little bit. Get tangled up in it. Everybody say the bite of bitterness. Offense. And bitterness, whether we realize it or not, today are affecting marriages, families, friendships, churches, work colleagues. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, 1, he said to his disciples, it is impossible. It is impossible that no offenses should come. One writer said it like this in regards to this verse. He said, it is simply unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. It is impossible that offenses will not come. It doesn't matter what church you go to. You can change churches every three to four months. You'll have an opportunity to be offended at that church. You can be remarried to another person. You can move on and think, I don't want to be married to this person because that person is this way. Can I inform you today? You can move on to the next thing on the menu. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You can move you can move on to the next person and you still have an opportunity to be offended. You can move to another job and there will still be plenty of opportunities for offense to come. In that verse, when it talks about offense, it is, comes from the Greek word scandalon, which, which is where we get the word scandalous. It's a powerful word picture that you must understand that this word, scandalon, originally described a small piece of wood. Maybe you've seen it before where they would make a trap for an animal and they would have the, the cage or the box and this wood would hold that box up. This, in the original Greek, was called a scandalon. And what this verse is letting us know, that when an animal would come in and it would bump into the scandalon, it would fall and the trap would get them. That's the picture of offense that our Lord Jesus gave to us in helping us understand that bitterness comes when we go and we see the opportunity to be offended and we bump into this offense and we allow it to to be a part of our lives, and we then become trapped. According to Jesus, this offense, we can find ourselves caught in anger, find ourselves caught in irritation with others, a holding a grudge, 
becoming bitter. And you just thought it was a little comment. You just thought it was a little this, a little that. But the reality of it is you bumped into this scandal on. You, you, you have allowed offense to get into your heart. They asked Jesus, the disciples in Matthew 24, they said, hey, when is the end of the world? When is the world coming to an end? And Jesus begins to tell them signs to look for and seasons to assess. And he tells them in Luke 24, 10, he says, then many will be offended. In 2021, many will be offended. It is trendy to be offended. It is profitable to be offended. If you do not feel heard by society, you can become heard by just being offended. Many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Paul writes to Timothy later on in the New Testament, and he lets him know that you should know this. Chapter 3, verse 1, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. In verse three, they will be unloving and unforgiving. This is a sign of the end times that offense that unforgiveness will reign in not just in unbelievers, but also in believers. Offense comes when we have an expectation that, we're un, that was unmet. People that you hold in high regard, individuals that you have an expectation from to not hurt you, to protect you, a business, a family member, a coworker, an employer, you have this idea that you're going to protect me or you're going to provide for me. You're going to take care of me or whatever it is. And you get hurt. They let you, they let you down. It could be a father's harsh words that 20 years later still ring in your ears. He's dead and gone, but the words that he said are imprinted in your heart because you thought you are going to protect me. You're going to provide for me. You're going to nurture me. You're going to love me. But a father's harsh words can create a spirit of offense. It could also be a stepfather, a stepfather or a stepmother who you thought was going to protect you and love you, but actually abused you, took advantage of you sexually harmed you. I've heard of horror stories. And if you don't think it's in this room, honey, I'm telling you it's in this room. There are more people hurt by the abuse of other people, verbally, physically, sexually, children who even today could be in this facility right now, living a life of fear and turmoil at home because of somebody who is not happy with himself. I've never met a man who hit a woman who is happy with himself. And if you're in this church and you're sleeping with children, I will do everything in my power to see you in jail. You can't do that. Can't do that. You do not hurt children. But hear me today. Hear me right now. There's a spirit of offense running rampant in this world. 
a coach, a mother who turns her head after you told her of the abuses, a, a pastor who lets you down. If, I can tell you today that it's not always people you're offended at. Sometimes you can be offended at God. Have you ever struggled with a grudge toward God? This week marks the one-year anniversary of my uncle who passed away, who knew the word of God better than most men I've ever met, was a big believer in healing and all of that. He was only in his 60s. He, he lost his voice in the month of June, and we, be, we thought it was laryngitis. We began to pray, found out that it was a cancer, and then we began to pray harder. He would quote verses. We took communion together. We believe God is a healer. Amen. On November the 11th last year, my uncle took his last breath and went on to heaven. I preached the eulogy when I felt like I should be celebrating a healing. I preached the funeral of people who I expected to be healed, but ended up dying. And as a man who is a minister, I hate to admit to you today, but there are times that I go into my study and I say, God, where were you at? I thought you would do what I, what, what, I, what I believed you would do. I thought you would heal. Sometimes you feel like Martha who says, Lord, if you just would have been here, my brother would not have died. I feel like talking to somebody who's living with a grudge toward God. You, you know you can come to church, you can love Jesus, but you wonder, God, if you're good, why did you let that happen? God, if you love me, why did I have to walk past that casket? God, if you were with me, why did he have to sneak in my room at night? Why, God, why do I have to live with the guilt of the past and the bitterness that I struggle with? If you're really good, am I helping anybody today? Not getting the job. Not getting the promotion can cause bitterness. I feel looked over. I, nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. I don't know if he's in the room right now. He may be a second service, but Ronnie Harrington is one of our trustees. We were at Cracker Barrel this week, and he began to tell me about his wife who was ill for 25 years of their marriage. 25, like real illness. And many of you know him. When he began to tell me the sickness that she, that she endured for all those years, and at that table, Ronnie Harrington, with tears running down his face, could said stuff that I couldn't believe what I was hearing. He said, but God is faithful. God is good. God is still a good God. God is still a mirror. And just tears running. And he had every right to be offended at God. Every right to hold it against God, what he had experienced in his life, but he just said, God's a good God. Here today on the front row, we have Stephen, wherever he is. Well, he normally sitting right there. Oh, there you are. There you are. There you are. Pastor Trey was in your way. Who, who has been through sickness and has been, had a tough diagnosis, and, and tomorrow he rings the bell for, for the final chemotherapy. Is that what it is? Tomorrow morning or whatever. Isn't that awesome? But I don't know if you saw, I believe you was up here today and he was, weren't you? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's ever happening. He was back here worshiping today. He could have very well had a grudge against God and said, God, I love you. I go to church every week and why do I get this? But what the enemy has put on his life, he just keeps trusting God, keep worshiping God. He's not gonna allow bitterness to sink into his heart. 
I want to say this too before I go any further. Yes, we can be offended, but let me talk to the other side. We can also be offensive. Sometimes we're so hard and so rough and we got to prove our points and we got to say something. Proverbs 18, 19 said, it is easier to conquer a city than to win, a, win back a friend whom you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. In the last month, I've sat with or talked to individuals who can't win their spouse back because of offense. I've talked to people who won't come back to churches because of bitterness has set in or offense. Can't win them, can't win them back. I believe the Bible is clear and gives us in the book of Hebrews a very clear picture of the progression of offense. I want to take the remainder of our time and just walk you through this, what I found in the word of God of what happens when we are offended. Are you ready? Hebrews 12, 15 says this, watch out. Notice the warning here. We are responsible to watch out personally. No one else can watch it out, watch out for offense, but you watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Corrupting many. First thing we catch is this, offense starts small. When it talks about a root, it comes from the Greek word. It represents a plant that is just beginning to sprout. Bitterness does not overwhelm us all at once. It can start when you're five years old. It can start with the first year of marriage. It can start with this. It can start with this season. It can start with that. Bitterness starts small. It begins in seemingly insignificant moments. Here's what I want you to catch. And then the Bible says that offense begins to grow. How does offense grow? I believe that offense grows when we are continually nursing and rehearsing the offense. Did you catch that? When we are continually nursing and rehearsing the offense. When somebody hurts us and we just keep continually feeling that thing, reviewing that thing. Have you ever watched a football game where they just keep reviewing the play? Keep reviewing the play? Keep reviewing the play? Many of us are stuck in the game of life because we keep reviewing the play from last, last play. So it's 2021, but somebody hurt you in 2010 and you just keep reviewing the play. Now, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I've been through and this person. But, but what happens is you're just reviewing over and over and you're, and you're just rehearsing it. Who hurt you? Who said that? That comment, this person didn't notice me. This person said, and it's just this, this, this rehearsing it. And then we just nurse it. We, we begin to feel bad for ourselves. We begin to love on ourselves. Oh, you know, nobody gets it but you, and, and, and you're the victim here, and, and, you're wrong, and they're all wrong, and I'm, I'm just the, I'm innocent in this. <laughs> Am I, can I get any help in the room? Am I talking to anybody? That, that, that sometimes offense will make you, will oftentimes make you feel so innocent. Well, let me just pause here. Ain't nobody innocent. I've heard it my whole life. There's two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. You should write that down. Tweet that. 
Well, the scripture lets us know that as it grows, as this offense grows, it starts small and it begins to get large. The next step we find is that the scripture lets us know that it troubles you. It troubles you. Offense left unchecked troubles you. The next thing the Bible says, it troubles you. I need you to write this down. It affects you. This is the next step. It begins to affect. So I know you pretend it's not true. I know you tried to go to work. I know you tried to raise your hands. I know you tried to come to church. I know you try to act like it doesn't affect you. But according to the word of God, it does. That word trouble in the Greek means to hassle you. Your offense that you're continually carrying is actually hassling you. Offended people produce much fruit such as hurt and anger and outrage and jealousy and resentment and strife and bitterness and hatred and envy. And some of the consequences of picking up offense are insults and attacks and wounding and division and separation and broken relationships and betrayal and even backsliding. How do you know if you're dealing with offense? You're troubled. You're troubled. When you're dealing with bitterness deep in your heart, you're disturbed. You know, the other day I found out that in in my area back in my office, there's a thermostat that that is super, it's from like outer space. I can't figure it out. You got to put codes in it. You got to give a blood sample. I don't know what's going on. I can't change. But I found out that Roger, who's our maintenance guy here, oversees our facilities, he Uh, on his phone can control the temperature in my part of the building, and he's not even there. (laughs) And when I I found that out in all staff last week, I immediately put it in my notes for this week, because that's when you know someone can offend you, is that they can control you, and they're not even there. What do I mean by that? Just the mere mention of their name can change your attitude. Just, the, just their presence at the Christmas party can disturb you. Just the mere mention of the, just scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden you start feeling something twist on the inside of you. Honey, you are troubled. Don't act like you ain't. You ain't fooling anybody. Something inside of you, you see somebody let you down, but you are troubled. So you can scroll faster acting like it ain't, but deep inside you are troubled. The next thing the scripture says that, that, that he was, that we are troubled. And the next line says that we are defi- it defiles many. You remember that part? It says, watch out. The root of bitterness springing forth troubles you and defiles many. It's kind of, the verse almost implies that secondhand offense is more deadly than firsthand. Because here's the second point. Offense not only affects you, but it also affects others. It's lethal because the people who are on the outside who did not experience the offense firsthand are picking up this bitterness and it didn't even happen to them. Offense leaks whether we like it or not. You may not really believe this, but if a husband is hurt, that wife will eventually feel that. Right? Eventually, that wife and husband, they are one, So if your wife is broken or your husband is broken, eventually that will begin to affect that other person. It's just biblical. Bible says we're one flesh. That that will begin to hurt you, even though it happened to her. 
I've seen it happen in small groups where someone could get offended at the pastor and then in their small group turns into a cancer mass in the church because the offense may have happened with one person, but the reality of it is people will bring people in on offense. Let me show you this. People with offenses will often invite others around them to rationalize their bitterness. This is what happens. Offended people will often invite others around them to rationalize. So, because what they want is a pat on the back. You know, I totally get. I would have said that too, honey. I would have. I would have blocked them too. I would have said that. I agree. You said. And then we start thinking is justified because we got a little posse of people who make us think we're in the right. When at the end of the day, bitterness, according to the Word of God, is still poison. So even if somebody, your mama could be like, honey, I would have said it 10 times. I would have dropped an F-bomb in there. If that's what your mama would have said, that's, listen, that's your mama. But the poison's in you. And the scripture says you're going to defile many. My pastor says it like this. One of the worst gifts you can give your children is the gift of a grudge. The gift of a grudge. You're going to teach your children how to be bitter. You're going to teach your grandkids how to not get over a fence. The last thing we find in the Word of God, that bitterness, as it begins to grow, the Scripture says it affects your relationship with God. Mark chapter 11, 25, Jesus is telling them about prayer, and Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against anybody, Forgive them so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Jesus said in the, in the Lord's prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. Love God. We hear in the book of first John, the scripture lets us know that we can say we love God, but if we hate other people, you're a liar because you can't love God and hate people. How could we withhold from others what God has so freely given to us? We like to play the judge and the jury and hold mistakes to people that even God himself doesn't hold against them. How could we hold something back from others that God in his grace gave to you? Many of us would never give the amount of mercy that God gives to us. Come on, I need to talk to somebody. We got to put some things to rest today because some of you have been carrying something in your life and you are justifying it with other folks. You're trying to get people to rationalize. And listen, I'm just, hey, listen, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. One thing I'm learning, oh, I got to be careful. One thing I'm learning about the South, and I'm not from here, so I'm learning. And this ain't an insult. Y'all just help me. Y'all. So look at it, it's already rubbing off. People say, now listen, I love him and everything. And she, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not, he's amazing. He's incredible. But, man, I'm from the north. We start with the back end. He's an idiot, can't stand him. He's a moron. And it's confusing to me. I'm learning it. You guys need to write me a manual. Can you write me a manual to try to keep track? Because here's the thing. It's a little confusing. It's like permission to gossip. Because you start with the right thing first. That sounds right, and, you're, and you could be meaning it, but the thing at the end of the day, you're still cutting them. You're still pulling a sword out. You're still sharp, but you're still like, <laughs> 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 
But you, but we, we, I'm not being mean. I promise. I'm learning the South. Okay. I'm learning it. But it was something I immediately noticed. Like, so do we hate them or do we like them? Can you help me? Because we did both in that 30 seconds. Like, they're amazing. Oh, bless their heart. We lo- Listen, I love their kids, but it's full of the devil. I'm like, so which one is it? Do you love the devil? Because I don't. We cannot withhold that stuff from people. We have to be graceful to people. People could be dead and gone for years. And you're still holding on to this thing and they hold the the thermostat of your heart. Ephesians 4.23 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Scripture lets us know that Jesus says, go deal with it. It's going to affect your prayer life. Go deal with it. It's going to affect your spirituality. Go settle it. Get your heart right. Get your heart clean. Get past this. Acts chapter 28, my final closing. Paul is traveling, and the scripture lets us know that he he got off a boat and Acts 28, verse 1, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta, and the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, talking about the bite of bitterness, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. That comment at Christmas just bit you on the hand. That letdown in that marriage just bit you. That, that, that anger you have toward an individual that you thought was not who they, you, you expected more just bit you. This bite, verse five, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Listen to me. When the bite of bitterness comes, you have a couple responses. And what we see Paul do is he just, just I'm not going to let that venom get in my, my bloodstream. I'm not going to let that, that bite affect me. I'm going to shake it off. And the Bible says because he shook it off, he was unharmed. Unharmed. The venom didn't affect, he was unharmed. Here, here's where we're at. Many of us take the bite and we're walking around in church with a snake on us getting into our second, third, fourth marriage with four or five snakes on us, <laughs> getting joining serve teams with a snake on us. And I've come to tell you right now, you have to shake it off. You have too much in you to let it stay latched on you. Shake it off. Your children need a clear mother, and you need to shake it off. You have a father in heaven who is cheering you on right now and says, don't go into college with a snake. Shake it off. Don't go into retirement with a snake on. Shake it off. Don't, Don't go into this next stage. Don't live your life with such anger and bitterness toward other people because the poison is killing you. Holding resentment toward others really only affects one person, and it ain't the person you have resentment toward. It's you. 
You've heard it said before that bitterness is like having offense or having in the name of Jesus. I'm sick of these things. My God. Having bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You've heard that. But let, let, me, let, me, let me wrap up right here. This, this blows my mind. I found out this week that, that, that a snake and its venom, they, 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 when it gets into the bloodstream of a person, does two things. It affects the, 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 the bloodstream and gets into the arteries and begins to, it could even make a person bleed to death. It's, it's, on the inside, it's, it's crazy what it does. The second thing, it doesn't go into your like neurological system where you, you begin to like seize up and it's really crazy. That's normally the two effects. So what they tried to do was come up with something to, to help people who've been bitten by a snake. So they took the venom from a poisonous snake and begin to inject it into certain animals to find the, uh, to find the antibodies that they could re- uh, extract from the animal that if they ever have a problem with a bite, they could put it into the bite where the snake was and where the venom is at work and the antibodies will fight it off. So they tried different kind of animals and they couldn't find exactly which type of uh, blood and bloodstream would work to fight the bite of a snake. They went to a horse, they went to this, they went to that, and they couldn't find it until they found the blood of a lamb. When they found a lamb with its blood, they found that the blood from a lamb had enough antibodies to fight back the venom from the bite of a snake. I've come to tell you today, maybe you're trying to put your offense under the rug, and I've come to tell you to put it under the blood. I know he hurt you, put it under the blood. I know he talked bad about you, but put it under the blood. I know she walked out on you, but put it under the blood. It's time to remember what God did, and whatever has hurt you, put it under the blood. I can't carry it through my 30s. Put it under the blood. I can't carry it through my marriage. Put it under the blood. I can't live with my ministry like this. Put it under the blood. I've come to tell you today, the blood still works, and the blood of the Lamb is going to fight back the venom that's trying to take you out. That poison's got to go in the name of Jesus. Remain standing in closing. And we have enough time to do this. But I have to do this. I have to do this. I have sensed for two weeks that the Holy Spirit has been stirring on people about their bitterness and their anger and their resentment they are feeling. And I told God, I said, God, I'll preach the word and you confirm it. That's all you can do. If you can convince the people, he'll confirm his word. I preach the word. There's a difference between preaching and ministering, and it's shifting right now. Preaching is when I open that Bible and I preach the word of the living God. Ministry is where we begin to contact and we begin to pray together and we have moments at the altar and you need to raise your hands, you need to respond at this time. I want to open this altar for three things. If you're dealing with bitterness toward others and unforgiveness toward others, today's the day you'll leave it at this altar. November the 14th, 2021, you don't leave here with it. Number two, if you have bitterness toward yourself and you can't let yourself be free, 
because of the anger that you feel towards yourself and the hell that you live in in your head because people don't know you've offended yourself. You know you're living below the standards God has for you. You know that you should be doing better. If your wife knew you were up at two in the morning, if your children knew what you were up to and you're living in a living hell, God said it's time to come to this altar and to forgive yourself and to get God's forgiveness. Number three, if you're holding a grudge against God and you're hurt at God because you thought he was gonna do something he didn't do, this altar's open now. I want you to come and say, God, I wanna be free today. I wanna be free today. I want to be free today. I want to be free today. Come on, team, go ahead. I want to be free today. I want to be free today. I don't want to live in bitterness. I don't, if you want to stand in for somebody else and say, my son's living with anger. My son's living with hurt. is in this place. Freedom is in this place. I said freedom is in this place. We're leaving it here. I'm not taking it home. I'm not putting it in the car. I'm not taking it to work tomorrow. Freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Today's a different day. The devil didn't want you to come to church today because he knew you were going to get a word and you were going to leave something at the altar in the name of Jesus. We're leaving it here. We're leaving it here. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Jesus.
It's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Don't hold anybody to something God wouldn't hold against you. Time to be free, church. It's time to move on. The day has come. The day has come, Debbie. Debbie Lynn. Debbie Lynn, the day has come. Raise your hands for me. I leave it here today. I don't take it home with me. Freedom in this place. Everything that's been heavy, everything that's been hurting, freedom. I'm a champion. I'm still here. I'm still fighting. Even though I've been sick in the past, God has his hand on my life, hands on my kids. The best days are before me. The past is behind me. And I have freedom, 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 freedom. The day of destruction is over. The heaviness that you felt in your heart, the enemy just beating back and forth, trying to hit back and forth, beating your ship. Am I going to sink? Am I not going to sink? God says, you're not going to sink. Not going to sink. Not going to sink. You think water's coming in, but you remember the story where Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the water was coming in. Jesus wasn't awakened by storms that scared them because he was the Prince of Peace. Some storm shouldn't wake you up. Be settled. Don't let it get it. Water may become, but you ain't going down. The devil's trying to make you think you're going to sink and you're losing your mind. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. You're not losing your mind. The devil's a liar. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Put that camera back up. Put that one on. Let's talk to these people. You guys want to talk to these people online? Am I up? Put me up. Wherever you are, whatever situation you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, we pray, church join me, that the spirit of bitterness must go in the name of Jesus. It cannot follow you anymore and a grudge won't let you go. You gotta let it go. And we pray right now, freedom in your life, freedom in your marriage, freedom in your family, freedom in your home, in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody give God a praise. of God today. Never to be the same again. Never to be the same again. Before we transition any further, I just want you to know I love you. Best days are ahead. I feel like God's doing surgery and it's about to get gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Come on, if you're thankful for the presence of God, put your hands together today.